0: This is John Jackson Miller, and you're listening to the Star Wars Canon Podcast. May the Force be with you. There are stories about what happened. It's true. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Canon Podcast. I am your host, Brian Miller, and I'm so glad that you have decided to join me yet again to talk about our favorite thing in the world, Star Wars. Uh, First off, I've got a a hell of a show for you guys this week. Uh, Last episode, we did a novel ranking, all 40 novels. Uh, This episode, we're going to be doing the comic rankings. Now, uh, I did say this episode was supposed to come out two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, on Saturday night, we had some extreme severe weather coming through. I'd never heard of a significant weather advisory before, but apparently we were under one. Uh, and it was it was pretty serious. Uh, we had some tornadoes touch down pretty close by. Uh, damn near wiped out of town uh, about 30 minutes from here where Kirstie's mom and dad lived. Uh, it was a close call. Uh, and then the following week, last week... I was, i meant to get this podcast out and this, this, just this weird chain of events happened where my truck had an alternator blowout on it. So I had to fix that. Uh, Kirsty and I had a blowout in her car on the turnpike, uh, on 35 on Saturday. Uh, luckily everything's fine. Everything's good. But it was just, it was just one of those bizarre weekends where nothing was matching up Right. Uh, so I, I, apologize for the break in content for the last two weeks. Uh, it was just this week, like I said, a weird circumstantial thing where it was just nothing worked to, to my advantage at all to get this out. So here we are this week, we are talking comic books, but before we get to the comic books, uh, there's a few things I got to let you guys know about. This podcast is now available on YouTube, Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Stitcher. Uh, and for those of you listening on the Anchor app, you can send in a voice message instead of emailing in mailbag questions, which we'll get to later in this episode. Uh, but you have the option to send in a voice message. So uh, definitely head on over to anchor.fm/slash Star Wars Canon Podcast, uh, or you can download the app, uh, look us up on there, and I'll have, a, I'll have all the links to those apps as well in the description of this video in case that's where you guys want to start listening to. So, uh, with that out of the way, let's get some news going here. There, i got a few things I want to talk about with you guys. Uh, nothing too awful. Uh, well, there's a couple meaty things. But a couple meaty stories, a couple that are just kind of throwaways. And then uh, then we'll get into the comic rankings. Uh, because we haven't done a show in the last two weeks, three weeks, uh, There's there's been a bit of a news break. Uh, Vanity Fair released uh, a couple of covers. Uh, some photos from a photo shoot for The Rise of Skywalker. I haven't had a chance to really talk about these yet. I, it kind of caught me by surprise, to be honest. Uh, but it', it the pretty cool photos. We've got several photos here I want to talk about. Uh, here, I'll bring a couple of these up. Uh, the first photo uh, is, is obviously, I mean, it's Luke with R2. And he's surrounded by flames, but uh, this this kind of begs a question. This is what Luke looked like on Ock 2. This isn't Luke having a flashback to when the Jedi Temple burned. This is him on ahch with R2. So maybe a flashback scene to ahch on what changed Luke's mind, not just Yoda's little speech about, uh, you know, failure is the greatest teacher. But I, I don't know. This, this kind of begs it. And now, I know there's going to be people out there saying, oh, that means Luke Skywalker's still alive. They're retconning episode eight. No, they're not. They're not retconning anything. It's probably going to be a flashback to ahch and to whatever it was that actually changed Luke's mind. To make him want to help with the resistance and everything, so uh, interesting photo though. And, and Luke looks great. Danny Mark Hamill looks awesome as Luke. Uh, the next photo uh, is just a shot in Jordan. Uh, we still don't know what planet this is. Uh, it it just—I mean—it's literally just a crew shot. Nothing real special about that. You get a good look at Ray and and kind of the background a little bit. But uh, the next photo, actually, I got—I guess I got these a little bit out of order. Uh, the third photo is one of the covers of the Vanity Fair issue with Ray on the cover. Uh, and then we've also got the, uh, the cover with Adam driver, uh, with Kylo Ren. He's, uh, he, he's looking badass as always still without the helmet though, which is kind of interesting because so far, all the other first looks we've seen of Kylo Ren for nine has the cracked helmet with the glowing kind of welds on it, whatnot. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see him without the helmet still. So, uh, the next one, this is one I want to talk about for a minute because this, this is one that's got a lot of people excited. This is the Knights of Ren uh, with J.J. And, you know, one of the interesting things that I, I guess I didn't realize that when I first saw these photos for the first time was that one of the weapons that's being held looks just like one of the weapons in Solo and, and one of uh, Dryden Voss's artifacts in, in his vault. And it's, it's kind of his museum, if you would. Kind of interesting, you know. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to see the Knights of Ren. We all thought they were going to be popping up in Episode Eight. Uh, that obviously didn't happen. But now that with JJ behind the wheel, bringing the Knights of Ren full circle, this is going to be cool. This is this is going to be great. This is I mean to actually have it confirmed that they're really going to be in this film excites the crap out of me. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we got a photo here. I'm assuming this is uh, Janna. I think this is Janna with a helmet on. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is Jenna, one of the new characters coming into episode eight. Uh, pretty cool look. Uh, okay, so then we get to this photo of General Hux and uh, R- uh, Richard E. Grant's character, whom is still, we still don't know who it is. I'm of the mindset, you know, I've had people, you know, because I've said for a while, and, and, and you can take I mean don't take this to the bank or anything, but I've said for a while that I've been pretty convinced that Grant was going to be playing a, an older version of Grand Admiral Thrawn. And, you know, I still believe Thrawn has a lot to do with the rise of the First Order and whatnot. And it's just I I obviously in this photo he is not Thrawn. Very, very obviously. That's 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 pretty true or pretty obvious. However, I would like to bring everybody's attention to something for a moment. In episode, well, well, I guess it was before The Last Jedi came out, when Vanity Fair did their photo shoot of Kylo Ren, General Hux, Captain Phasma, you know, all these other characters, they did these cover photos. Or maybe it was Entertainment Weekly. It was either Entertainment Weekly or Vanity Fair. I don't remember which it was. They had a photo of Captain Phasma with her helmet off, of Gwendolyn Christie with the scar on her face with, with the helmet off. And that never happened in the film. It was, you know, it was... We I, I thought for sure because of that photo we were gonna see her with her helmet off. I thought for sure we would. But now it kind of leads me to believe that this may be an undoctored photo. And what I mean by undoctored is what if he really is playing Thrawn and he's just made to look human in this photo? Now I'm I could be way off base here. He's probably just playing some random, you know, higher up in the in the first order. But what if he actually is playing Thrawn and they just kind of hid the blue paint off of his face and the glowing red eyes? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a possibility. I'm, I don't believe anything they really put out now as far as promotional material. I just I can't because I've seen so many times it change or whatnot. But it's an interesting photo, awesome photo. And I'm hoping with Hux this episode, I hope they don't make him so... I, I didn't like that the fact that Hux... And Kylo kind of turned into comedy relief in episode 8. I wasn't a big fan of that. And Hux turned into this whiny, just, just, I, I couldn't stand him. We thought he was going to be the new Tarkin. And he ended up being just this whiny little bitch, to be honest. So, uh, good photo. Though. I'm hoping he turns out to be something a little more than what he was in episode 8. Uh, got another photo of the crew, cast and crew working in Jordan. We got 3PO Ray and Chewie on set. Uh, awesome, awesome photo, Chewie's looking great, man, I swear, I mean, that, I'm one of these people that anytime I see a picture of Chewbacca, I can tell if it's classic trilogy or prequel, because just the Chewbacca costume looks so bad in episode three, it just looked like a random Wookiee, it just, it, you could tell the mask was separated from the rest, it just, it didn't, it didn't blend together, the way it does in this, so Chewie's looking great, I'm loving it, uh, we got a photo of Finn and Janna, on, uh, I don't know what these creatures are called yet. I don't even know what planet this is. I'm assuming this is somewhere on Endor. It looks like this would be what leading up to the shoreline where we saw in the trailer Ray and all them looking off in the distance seeing the Death Star. Uh, could be completely wrong on that. But Finn's looking awesome, you know. And, and from what we heard from Celebration, how Finn has found a purpose with the Resistance, kind of like he's actually all in now, balls to the wall, this is what I'm doing. He's kind of faced his demons in The Last Jedi and now he's, he's his own person. So... Uh, I'm excited to uh, to see what happens with him and Jana, I'm, I want to learn some more about her too, as well. Uh, then we got this photo of uh, Ray and Kylo fighting, and it looks like there's a wave crashing down on them. I'm almost, I'm almost positive, and, and it's probably pretty obvious to you, but I'm almost positive this is on the surface of the Death Star somewhere, uh, and and you know they've got the waves crashing up or whatnot. But I'm I'm almost convinced this is on the exterior, if you would, of the Death Star. Hoping to God it is. You know how freaking awesome that would be to see. Jesus Christ. Uh, got a shot here of the Millennium Falcon cockpit with uh, Poe, BB-8, Chewie, uh, and Lando. And uh, the, the other droid, I can't remember his name right now. Um, God, I can't remember the little wheel droid's uh, name that's going to be a BB-8. Uh, he's there as well, kind of poking around the corner. I didn't see him the first time I looked at it. Lando looks great. Lando looks absolutely great. This is... Obviously, the outfit is very reminiscent of the younger Lando from the Solo film, uh, but we got Billy D back. He's back in the cockpit, man. He looks absolutely great, and he sounds great. Even though, even hey, look, he was only laughing in the trailer for the Rise of Skywalker. He was only laughing, but it sounded like Lando again. I hope we get a yeehaw out of him like we did in Return of the Jedi. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm loving it, you know. So. Uh, Lando's looking great, uh, and he's got his baby back, the Falcon, obviously Chewie's there, and Chewy, like I said, Chewie's looking great, man. Uh, and then I think this is the last photo I got for right now, it's just some random aliens in Jordan, but, uh, they look interesting, you know, and, and most of them are of the same species, so kind of curious as to what context these are going to be in, you know, and, and where we're going to see them and whatnot, but, uh, excellent photos, man. Gets me really excited for episode eight, or I'm sorry, episode nine uh i'm really really looking forward to it and, and and but i do believe there was another photo also of uh, john williams scoring a part of episode 9 i had i had somebody try telling me that he wasn't scoring it yet and then they were so uh, he he is he's scoring it now tried saying that that shot of uh of john williams scoring was him scoring something else and they just photoshopped Star Wars into it, which is bullshit. That they Vanity Fair would just lose all credibility if they did something like that. Credibility if they did something like that. But anyway, uh, I, I I really enjoyed the photos. I thought it was really cool, and and you know it, it makes me even that much more excited for another trailer. I want, and, which we're obviously probably not going to get until October. Uh, that's usually when we seem to get those trailers. But that'll probably be when we get the next look at at anything uh well except for maybe Force Friday. Force Friday I think is coming in September I believe and it's like a triple Force Friday because they're releasing toys for episode 9 the Mandalorian and um uh, Jedi Fallen Order. So we're getting action figures for Jedi Fallen Order. Kind of weird, isn't it? But anyway, I like the photos quite a bit. It was a really good look and and it's it's looking like Star Wars and I'm hoping this is the Star Wars film that brings the fan base back together collectively to where we can all actually have a conversation without Ryan Johnson's name coming up. You know what I mean? Just, just I, I miss the old days. So, uh, speaking of Jedi Fallen Order, a while ago we've also got this to talk about. Uh, e E three is going right now, uh, and they finally have released some gameplay footage of Jedi Fallen Order, which I kind of figured they would do. They released the trailer at uh, Celebration, and I figured they would release the gameplay at E three, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, I sat down and watched this gameplay, and it was like 13, 14 minutes of gameplay, something like that. There were a few things I wanted i was looking for going into it. Uh, I wanted to see how the combat, the the lightsaber combat, uh, was handled. I want to see—I wanted to see how it how it worked. Uh, I wanted to maybe get a, a glimpse of a little bit of the story, which we did get a little bit. You know, we got to see Saw Gerrera uh, in that footage, and I wanted to t- the tone of what the game was going to feel like. Because I was worried that it was going to feel like Battlefront 2 again, and and that was that was one of the things I said for the uh, teaser trailer that it looked a lot like Battlefront 2. It's just she had a lightsaber now, uh, and and you know I wasn't disappointed with this gameplay footage. I was worried going into it that playing with a lightsaber was just going to feel like Luke from Battlefront 2, just you know generic default swings, and you never really landed you know an actual lightsaber clash. It was just you hit a hitbox on your character and it damages them. From what I saw in this footage, it looks like you've actually got attacks, parries, uh, lightsaber locks, clashes, you know, whatnot. So it's, I'm excited about it. It looks pretty good. Uh, The tone still did feel like Battlefront 2 to me with a little bit of like a a Jedi Outcast feel, like a vibe to it a little bit. And some Force Unleashed was in there also. Saw the parkour system, climbing things and whatnot, and the, the running on, you know, the balancing, the balanced running. Very reminiscent of like Assassin's Creed, so and you guys know me, I love Assassin's Creed. It's one of my favorite video game franchises ever. So, uh, from what I saw with Jedi Fallen Order, I'm I'm gonna give it a shot. I was gonna give it a shot anyway, but like I said, I'm gonna give I'm gonna go into this uh, with an open mind. I'm I'm gonna play. I'm gonna sit down and play it. And and I know there's some people out there who are not excited for this game because it's EA, but. Uh, this is something completely different from Battlefront 2, I think. It, it looks like Battlefront 2, but I, f- I, I just, after seeing the gameplay, I feel like this could be something completely different, and it's going to take us by surprise. I really think so. So, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, gameplay, you can definitely go check out that gameplay footage as well. Uh, there's also a reaction video on this channel of, of me watch sitting down watching it for the first time. Check that out also. Uh, but anyway... Let's get into these last two uh, news stories, not even really news, these next two really aren't news, but uh, then we'll get into the comic rankings. There's a rumor going around right now, and I don't like reporting on rumors. I don't like talking about rumors at all. Most of the time they turn out to be just just bullshit, and it's mainly people wanting things to happen, and then they put a Reddit post out saying, oh, it's true, and then everybody runs with it, and then it never turns out to be true. Uh, Exhibit A, Mike Zero, which, anyway, but... This is a rumor going around, and and I think there's some credibility to this, to be honest, because I haven't seen anything that uh, countered counterdicts this, contradicts this. Sorry, I'm going to say counteract, and I changed the middle. Uh, there's a rumor right now that I'm, I'm trying to think how to pronounce this girl's name. Is it Laïda, Laïda Caligritus, Gritis, Gritis? I have no idea how to pronounce this woman's name. Uh, There's a rumor that she is the writer behind a Knights of the Old Republic adaptation for Benioff and Weiss for their trilogy. There's rumors going around she's writing a third trilogy. I don't think that's true. I think it is the Benioff and Weiss trilogy. Uh, But she's known for Shutter Island, which was an insanely awesome movie as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I've only seen it twice, but because... The only reason I've only seen it twice, the first time... I got my mind blown at the end with the plot twist, and the second time I watched it was just to watch it knowing what I knew from the first time I watched it. And now I can't watch that movie again, knowing what's going on. And just like, it, it, but it's so good. If you guys haven't seen Shutter Island, go watch it. Uh, and she's known for *A Little uh, Battle Angel*. She helped write that as well. Uh, I, I keep seeing people talk about how oh she's the first female writer since *Empire Strikes Back*. Who cares? I don't. Why does gender matter? You know, everybody. These these people. And I try to I, look. I try not to get political on the Star Wars canon podcast. And sometimes when when you get a story like this, you kind of have to touch on it a little bit. There were certain times we had to, you know, with like the Chuck Wendig being fired thing. It's just, I, and I try to remain objective because anybody who knows me, I'm a very political person, and uh, with which side of the aisle I'm sitting on. But I try to remain objective when it comes to certain things. And this is one of those things I'm gonna I'm gonna come out objective as. You've got people screaming, oh, finally we have a female writer. Who cares? If you're a good writer, if they're a good writer, hire them. I don't care what gender they are. I don't to, I care if they're a man or a woman. I don't care. As long as they can write a good Star Wars movie, that's all that matters. You know? So, I I don't, to be honest, I don't care that she's a female. And if it was the other way around, and it was all female writers, and also we had a, a male writer, I'd say the same thing. I don't care. It, it, it doesn't matter. As long as we get a good script. A good screenplay. That's all that matters. Uh, and, and with her having Shutter Island and, and Bat- uh, Alita Battle Angel on her resume, yeah, I think this is going to work out pretty well. So there's that's the rumor going around right now. I Like I said, don't take it to the bank. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that it's going to end up being true, but it's kind of looking like it's going to be. So, uh, And the last thing I wanted to talk about real quick before we get into the comic ranking. Apparently there's a campaign going around that's starting to pick up a little bit of traction. And I'm kind of surprised. There's a campaign going around. And it's called uh, the Hashtag Make Solo 2 Happen Campaign. This is a, apparently a, a campaign that somebody started wanting a sequel to Solo. Now, anybody who's watched knows I wasn't a huge fan of Solo. The more I watch it, the more I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, it's all right. There were a couple things in there that kind of didn't make sense to me, but there were some things in there that I want to see continued, like spoiler alert the Darth Maul appearance. I would love to see what was going on with Maul and and the crime syndicates at the time. And uh, I I want to know more about that. But these, this particular group of fans has started hashtag make Solo 2 happen, which if they come out with a Solo 2, I'm cool with it. I'll go watch it. Don't get me wrong. But you have to keep in mind something. When it comes to the films, it takes, what, three years... Three, two, three years to, to produce a, a decent film and you only get so many films that you can really release at a time If, if, if they've already got two trilogies announced. If you start to shove another film in there you're going you're gonna to have the same thing happen with this one as you did with the first Solo. Releasing them too close to another Star Wars film. Two a year is not going to work. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see two Star Wars movies a year. I would love to see that. But it's not realistic at this point. It's never going to happen. At this point, we're going to get one a year. And if the Solo 2 is ever going to happen with two trilogies... Two. Wow, look at that. You can tell I grew, you know, grew up in Ohio. Uh, two films coming. Or two trilogies coming. God, now I'm all messed up. With two, trilog- uh, two trilogies coming. The next time you're getting another film out is going to be, what, 2027? No, 2028. If we have... The Other trilogy doing 23, 25, and 27. So the next one would be 2028. 20, 20, That's the earliest you're going to see another solo film 10 years later. I, I it's not going to happen. Like, as much as I wouldn't mind seeing it happen, I don't think it's going to happen. But, uh, if you guys support the, the uh, Make Solo 2 Happen campaign, I'm sure you could find. Uh, where you can sign that petition, or or how to put that out, and, and like I said, apparently it's gaining traction. Uh, Jonas, uh, the the, the new—I can never say his last name—the guy playing the the new Chewbacca, the new guy playing Chewbacca. Apparently, he's behind it. Like he's he's really pushing it too. So if they're starting to get their attention. It's it's starting to get higher up. I guarantee you, at some point, Kathleen Kennedy has heard about this campaign. So. Uh, take that for what you will, whatever, right? So uh, Make Solo 2 Happen Campaign, that is happening right now. Uh, but that's pretty much going to do it for the news, man. There's really not a whole lot more going on other than that. So what do you guys say we get into these comic rankings? This is what you guys are really here for. Uh, this week, we are doing the comics. We've got 36 different titles. Now, this isn't every single individual comic, all right? This The way I set this up, uh, a couple of one shots that were just literally standalone one shots like 3PO, the, the Cassian K2, Beckett, uh, G- uh, DJ, like they all, they're their own standalone uh, one shots, you know, the the Screaming Citadel, Storms of Crate stuff like that. We do have two series right now. It's Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion that are all one shots, but I've got them on this list. As their respective series, so I don't. Each each series so far has its own set of one shots, and I'm grouping them all together, just so so you guys know. Uh, and this is uh, as this is the most up to date it's going to get. The only comics that I haven't read so far, I'm not up to date on, are this week's, the ones that came out this past Wednesday. I I picked up my pull file last weekend, so I don't I don't know what this this new uh, age of Rebe- uh, age of rebellion age of rebellion comic. The, I think it's the Luke Skywalker one this week. I haven't got that one on here in that list yet. So, uh, other than that, it's completely up to date. Uh, let's kick. Let's just kick this off, man. Uh, there's any anybody who's listened for a while, even back as far as like early 2016 when this comic first came out. Anybody who knows the way I feel about this comic already knows it's still at the bottom of the list for me. Uh, number 36 on this list, the very, very bottom of the list for me, is C-3PO, The Phantom Limb. Uh, it was a one-shot comic. Tells the story of what happened with 3 po how he got his red arm in The Force Awakens. Horrible comic. I'm not going to lie, this is a bad comic. This this thing is trash. It's I. Let me put it to you this way. I hate this comic so much. I would rather... Reread *Heir to the Jedi* again than to read this one comic issue. Just to put it in perspective for you, it's that bad. It's the artwork was it had this like psychedelic kind of paint swirl look to it. The story was more like uh, *Saving Private Ryan* with droids, which sounds cool, but it wasn't. Uh, and and the way three PO loses his arm, it's not a story I think anybody really needed to know. And, and to be honest. Was it something that even needed to happen? Did 3PO really have to have a red arm in Force Awakens? Was it just to identify him differently from that film from the others? Was that all? It was just, I feel like the only reason they did a red arm was so that they could say, hey, let's tell the story later, make more money off of it. That's all it was. So the red arm thing was completely unnecessary. 3PO didn't even have his red arm at the very end of Force Awakens anyway. He'd already had his golden one replaced, which makes no sense considering why he has the red arm from this comic. Once you read it, you'll understand, but it, it it doesn't make any sense why... It makes sense why he had the red arm, but why he went back to a gold arm away from that one makes no sense. And when, when you read it, you'll understand. But uh, C-3PO, The Phantom Limb. Not a good comic, man. That one that one was from Marvel. That was one of those that I was actually really looking forward to it. It wasn't that great. Like, I mean, and wasn't that great as being polite about it. Uh, the LEGO Force Awakens game had a level in it Told in Lego form, this same story, and they did it better. The Lego game for the Force Awakens. If you're gonna, if you want this story, just go get the Lego game and play it. I promise you, it's worth the sixty bucks to get the game over the six bucks you're gonna spend on this comic. So take that for what you will. Uh, Thirty-six on the list is C-3PO, the Phantom Limb. Uh, number thirty-five is Chewbacca. Numbers one through five. This is a five-issue run that came out. Quite a while back, uh, a couple few years ago, and uh, it's not good. Uh, this is a comic that... This is the next look we got. The first look we got that Chewie had a medal was Smuggler's Run. This was the second time that we actually found, saw evidence of him getting a medal, and actually saw him with it. Uh, the story follows this little girl. I can't remember her name, to be honest. Uh, she's on like this mining colony. She's a slave. Chewie crash lands on this planet, and it's... Him trying to free this slave colony, I guess you could say. And there's this language barrier between him and the girl. And it's, you know, they 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 form this bond over the course of five issues. But to be completely honest, the story is just awesomely forgettable. That's really all it is. I've read it once. I, and when the comics were coming out, I was having them shipped to my house at the time. And I couldn't get through this. Con- like, it was just, oh, my God, every issue felt like issue number three. Issue number three. It just seemed like it was never going to end, and it just kept going and going and going and going. And when it was finally over, I put it down, and it was like, oh, thank God. I didn't care for it that much. You guys might like it. I don't... Just don't take my word for it. You guys might like it. But for me personally, pretty low on the list. It's number 35. So Chewbacca, numbers one through five. Uh, number 34 on the list is a comic that just came out, I think, earlier this year and late last year. It was a five-issue run. Uh, it's Lando Double or Nothing. This is a comic series that follows young Lando, leading up to the events of Solo: A Star Wars Story. Uh, it tells a story about him, again, trying to free slaves on like this mining colony from from the Empire, and it's it, it's it's the same story as what was told in Chewbacca. It's not it's not the same story, but it, it's story beat for story beat, it's the same story. It's just from Lando's point of view. L three three seven is there. Uh, he's got the Falcon, and you find out how the Falcon gets impounded. At the end of this, the comic series, and it, I think it, I think the comic ends a week before the, the solo film picks up. So, oh, my dog's going nuts. Uh, so, the the Lando Double or Nothing comic, I really liked the first Lando series, but I never really cared that much for this one. And and maybe it has something to do with Young Lando. I wasn't a huge fan of Young Lando. I'm one of those guys. Sorry, I, I really didn't care for the Young Lando a whole lot. Uh, and and you know. I don't think I like this era of the character, to be honest. I like him in the classic trilogy. I like him, you know, in some of the other books that I've read, some of the other novels he was awesome in, some of the other comics he's been in, I like. But this particular era of Lando, I'm not a fan of. I get that he used to be this pompous, egotistical, you know, self loving man. I get that. And that he. Arced over to this rebellion general, right, and, and beyond. But I just don't like him as a character at this point in his life. I don't know what it is about that. I just, I don't know. Even in the the last shot novel, I wasn't a fan of the of the young Lando parts of the book. I really, I, I really didn't care for it. I will say this though: the the banter between Lando and L three three seven in this comic is pretty good. It's it's pretty good. So, uh, other than that, that's really the only good thing I have to say about it. So it seems like everything that came out around the time of Solo, I just it just didn't do it for me. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what it was. So uh, that's number thirty-four on my list. Number thirty-three, moving up towards number uh, number one, is the entire Forces of Destiny series. This is a series. Everything else is done by Marvel. This was done by IDW, and the Forces of Destiny series were essentially these female stories told about female characters, Ahsoka, Padme, Leia, Hera, Sabine, you know, these other female characters. Some of them were just comic adaptations of the Forces of Destiny YouTube shorts. Some of them were standalone films, not films, uh, stories. And and some of these female characters had their own comics, like Leia had her own comic, Hera. uh, I don't remember if Ahsoka, I think Padme and Ahsoka had their own. But... Just the, anything by IDW is kind of. I, I I've gotten to the point now where I, I, I don't really want to keep buying them. But they're canon. The, I consider them canon in the same way like the Wild Space series is canon. Like they're there, but not important at all. You know what I mean? So, uh, the the Forces of Destiny, and that includes Forces of Destiny, uh, the adaptations that includes forces of destiny the the character comics i mean that that's everything forces of destiny everything wrapped into one uh number 32 on the list is uh the other idw comic that's going right now it's star wars adventures it's an ongoing series i think they just got up to issue 21 i think is the one i just read these comics are geared more towards children the same way the forces of destiny comics were Uh, they're, they're geared more towards children. The characters are there. What they're doing don't feel like the characters, but they are canon. Uh, the Star Wars or the Star Wars Adventures has done a couple of little spinoff series. Also, they've done uh, Tales from Vader's Castle, uh, like a five issue run in there. They did Destroyer Down, which was like a three issue run. And I think I think they I think I read somewhere they're doing another Tales from Vader's Castle series. The, the, the Tales from Vader's Castle series was actually pretty good, but everything beyond that, the the Star Wars adventures is kind of, you're not missing nothing if you don't read them. Uh, there's the main story, and then at the back of it, there's a story, and it's ironically enough I mentioned Wild Space, there's Tales from Wild Space, and it's the kids from the Wild Space series, I think it's their grandkids, their grandson, and Crater the droid, they're telling little like lesson stories for children in the back of these. They're all right, but I mean once in a while I'd be like, oh well, I didn't know that ever happened. Okay, that's kind of cool. And I think they did a Flight of the Falcon comic also where Bazine Nettle was trying to steal the Millennium Falcon. So that's that's all going on with the Star Wars adventures. They've they've there's several issues and there's a couple of issues of it that were free comic book day issues that are canon. I was lucky enough to get my hands on. Uh, if you guys can get your hands on those, I think they're like a young Han and Chewy story going on right now on the Free Comic Book Day comics. So there's there's both of them so far, last year and this year, Free Comic Book Day issues are kind of continuing the same story. So they're almost like annuals, if you would. So you can check those out. They're not too awful bad. Uh, but me personally, I'm going to try to stick with more of the Marvel comics, where more of the meat and potatoes of the story is. Uh, number 31 on the list is a one-shot comic, uh, and it is simply Beckett. This was a a one-shot for Tobias Beckett. The story is told in three parts in this by three different sets of writers and three different artists. So, a third of the way through, art style changes, and the story writing kind of changes, and same thing, two-thirds of the way through, art style changes again. This is a comic I was kind of looking forward to, and and honestly, I can kind of appreciate it for what it is, what it was meant to be. It came out around the same time as the whole Solo thing, obviously with Beckett being the the main story, or the main character. But this comic kind of gives a little bit more of a glimpse of how the crew worked before Han and Chewie came along. How him and Val got along, and Rio with the group, and everything like that. And kind of what they were up to leading up to Solo, a Star Wars story, when, when Han finally crossed paths with them. So, uh, it's, you're not missing anything if you don't read it, but it's not bad. I mean, if you can, if you have to have everything, if you have to read everything, then yeah, go ahead and pick this one up, but you're not missing anything by not reading it. Uh, number 30 on the list is Solo, A Star Wars Story, numbers one through seven. I was kind of surprised this one had seven issues because all the other film adaptations were six. This one has seven uh, issues, and honestly, there's not a whole lot added to this. It's it's more of an abridged version of uh, the film. The only thing they really added to it that was that wasn't in the film was the comic view, the comic adaptation, I guess you could say, of the deleted scenes of Solo, where he crashes the TIE fighter when he's still in the Imperial Navy. What gets what gets him sent to Memben. And how he gets the scar on his chin and stuff like that, that's in the comic. And kind of the way he was a smart ass about it to his superiors and whatnot. That's in this comic. But other than that there's really nothing more in it that you're not going to know about. If you've seen the deleted scenes of Solo and you've seen Solo. Then you know what happens in this comic. You're not missing anything to be completely honest. So uh, Solo A Star Wars Story numbers 1 through 7 uh, on uh, our uh, number 30. Uh, ironically enough, the next number, number 29, is a series that takes place during Solo, a Star Wars story, and it's called Han Solo Imperial Cadet Numbers 1 through 5. This is the story of what happened to Han while he was in the Imperial Academy, leading up to, like what I said, with him crashing the TIE Fighter and getting sent to Membin. This is in that three-year period where it says three years later. This is what happens in between there and how he gets along with his squad, how he gets along with his superiors kind of the way he was a hotshot pilot in the Imperial Academy, stuff like that. So, uh, and and how he gets everybody in trouble, how he saves all their asses. Like, it's it's crazy to see Han, it's crazy to see a story where Han Solo is an Imperial uh, pilot. You know what I mean? So, uh, Han Solo Imperial Cadet, numbers one through five, like I said, that was just a five-issue run. Uh, That is number 29 on my list. All right, uh, number twenty-eight. Moving towards the top of the list is the comic adaptation issues one through six of the Force Awakens. The reason this one isn't at the bottom of the list is because this is—I mean, it, it, it's the Force Awakens, but it—it's told in a way where it's—it's it's a seriously abridged version of the Force Awakens. There's nothing new added to it, nothing like that. But it's fun to read. Kind of like what I was saying with the novels, how the Force Awakens novel was so high on my list. How it was just fun to read the way it was written. It's just, boom, you just kind of hop through it and just beep, 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 and you just work your way through it. it the comic is kind of the same way, but like I said, you're not missing anything by not reading it. I'm OCD, so I have to have all the issues. That's the only reason I really have all uh, six issues of it, to be completely honest. Uh, but yeah, Force Awakens, numbers one through six. And the artwork artwork was kind of weird, to be honest. It was more of like a, I don't know. It was just it didn't it didn't work for me. Uh, but like I said, it was just kind of fun to read, just because it was do 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 right through. Number twenty seven on the list is a one shot called Screaming Citadel. Now this this uh, one shot was the kickoff of a crossover event between Star Wars, uh, between the Star Wars comic and the Doctor Aphra comic. This comic was the one shot that kicked off this arc, and it was interesting it brought in Star Wars vampires force sucking vampires true story you can't make this up uh, it was kind of an interesting story like I said it was a crossover event with Afra and Star Wars so I think the next issue was a Star Wars issue then an Afra issue Star Wars Afra and then Star Wars I think that I think that was the end of that run. But this was kind of the one that kicked it off. Uh, it was kind of this this woman who's running a... She's kind of... I, I don't want to say queen of a planet. But she's interested in Luke Skywalker. She's trying to drain his Force abilities out of him like a vampire. She's feeding on it. So, interesting story. Interesting concept. I think it could have been executed a little better. But not entirely bad. So, it was... it Once you get... Han, like The whole story from Han's point of view... Was kind of more interesting than it was Luke and Afra and, and and everything else was going on from like Han and Leia's point of view. It was a lot more interesting. So, uh, screaming Citadel and and like I said, if you've got all the Star Wars comics and all the Afra comics, but you don't have this, this is the kickoff to that story. So definitely go check that out. Uh, next on the list is number twenty six. We've got uh, Princess Leia. Numbers one through five. This was the first five-issue run they ever did with the comics. And, uh, you know, actually, I'm sitting here looking, and I just realized I forgot to put one of the comics on this list. But we'll talk about it later, uh, to be honest. We'll talk about it when we get to the end of this. Uh, But, no, the Princess Leia comic. Princess Leia, numbers one through five. This was a story that takes place immediately after A New Hope. It picks up the moment A New Hope is over. The medal ceremony. And Leia is... Told that she can't go anywhere because they're trying to find a new rebel base because the empire knows where they are. But she wants to go on this mission to find other Alderanians that were not on planet when Alderon was destroyed, and she wants to find them, get them all to the same place, preserve the culture, if you would. So she takes a, a pilot with her, Yvonne. She takes Yvonne with her. I don't remember her last name. I think it starts with the V. It was like Valentina or something or like at Valentine. Something like that. Uh, but she takes her with her, and, they, and she, the, the pilot hates her at first, and they end up, you know, getting quite a bit of a bond. The story was okay, but the art, the 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 cover of the first issue almost had this like pen up girl kind of art to it, which was kind of cool. But then the further the series went, it was like the artists just didn't give a damn anymore, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And by the time you get to the fifth issue, it's just sloppy. So that's, that's the only reason it's so low on my list is it's just the artwork was kind of, you know, so uh, Princess Leia numbers one through five. Number 25 on my list is uh, a comic that just started running. We're only two issues into it right now, which is what this is. That's why it's so low on the list. I don't really have a whole lot to go on for it right now. But from what I've read so far, I'm enjoying it. And that is Galaxy's Edge. I think it's going to be a five issue run. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a five-issue run. We're two issues into it right now. The first issue was kind of a Han story. The second issue was a Greedo story. Which is kind of interesting considering most of this comic, this series takes place after episode eight. But it's kind of a flashback. And and, you know, like uh, I'll give you an example. The the second issue right now, the Greedo story. He's trying to hunt down this Jedi relic. And when he gets a hold of it, it's the lightsaber of adi Mundi. And you ever want to see Greedo wielding a lightsaber, get this comic. <laughs> like, it actually happens. So, uh... But this is the comic that they released to kind of go along with the Galaxy's Edge theme park being opened. So far, it's not bad. There's a couple of nice little things in there where you're like, oh, I see what they did there. So, it's it's Galaxy's Edge. Uh, and like I said, there are two issues into it. It's going to be a five-issue run. Uh, number 24 on the list is the adaptation... Numbers one through six of Rogue One: A Star Wars Story. This is the comic uh, adaptation of Rogue One. The reason this one is a little higher on the list is this one did add in a couple of other little nuggets. Kind of in Bodhi's mind when the Borgullet is on him, kind of searching his memory and stuff. We see flashbacks of Bail Organo with Leia in the same room as Sagarera with Jen. You know, there's there's a couple little things in there, but it's a pretty decent telling. Of Rogue One, to be honest. And like I said, with a couple of little extra little nuggets kind of sprinkled through it. The death scenes toward the end of the uh, film, I don't think were handled real great in the comic, but I mean, you can only do so much with pen and ink, right? So, uh, but number 24 on my list is Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Number 23 on my list is DJ, Most Wanted. This is a one shot following DJ from The Last Jedi. This is essentially the story of how he ended up in the cell he was in in Last Jedi when Rose and Finn run across him for the first time. It's essentially how he got in that cell and a little bit more of a character study on him, you know, kind of why he is the way he is, who he is, what he does in his spare time, the way he gets the, the way he works, the way he works to get, uh, you know, money for his pocket or, you know, trying to just steal from people, how he hustles people, stuff like that. Kind of interesting. I didn't mind it so much. I I've talked to other people who hated it, but I didn't mind it so much. It was it was alright. It, it could have been better, could have been a lot worse. So, uh, DJ Most Wanted is number 23 on my list. Number 22 on my list is a five-issue run that came out, I think, last year. It is Mace Windu, Jedi of the Republic. This is a five-issue run following Mace Windu during the Clone Wars, and I think it's right at the beginning of the Clone Wars. I think this is before... The Clone Wars series even picks up. This is a five-issue run that uh, kind of caught me by surprise, and it's it was all right. Uh, you, you know, Mace Windu has this group of Jedi that he's taking on a mission. One of the Jedi becomes disenfranchised with the Jedi during the mission, attacks Mace Windu and whatnot. So uh, this is kind of a cool one, but if you really like Mace Windu, you're really going to like this comic. And when I was reading it, it was written in a way where It did feel like Sam Jackson talking. I I, sometimes I could hear Sam Jackson, sometimes I could hear uh, Mace Windu from Clone Wars. Yeah, you kind of hear a mix of the two. The dialogue was dead on, but the story was pretty cool. So uh, definitely check out Mace Windu Jedi of the Republic. Now keep in mind also all of these completed runs, the numbers one through seven, one through five, one you know one through six, whatever. You can get all these in trade paperback, where you can just sit down and read the whole thing. You don't have to have the individual issues. I'd almost prefer to read them that way, to be honest. But you can go get these TPBs and sit down and bust through the entire story. So I think the Mace Windu one is out. And I think most of the other ones I've talked about so far are out as well. Uh, Number 21 on my list is a comic that just started its run. I think it's going to be a five-issue run as well. Uh, And that is TIE Fighter. TIE Fighter is a series that they're doing a crossover event between this and Alphabet Squadron. The novel that just came out. Last week. This is kind of the point of view of the same story, I'm, I'm guessing, as Alphabet Squadron from the TIEs point of view, instead of the instead of Alphabet Squadron's point of view. Kind of an interesting concept. There are only two issues into it right now. The same as Galaxy's Edge. That's why it's so low on the list. We're still kind of getting into the meat of it. But so far, I like what I'm seeing. There's uh, a pop-up character from the Imperial Cadet, the Han Solo um, uh, Imperial Cadet comic run also has popped up in this series he's one of the main characters so it's kind of cool to see that crossover and i'm i haven't read alphabet squadron yet so i'm anxious to see how that story is going to tie in with this story i'll let you guys know but number 21 on my list as of now is tie fighter so uh number 20 on my list is a five issue run that came out several years ago uh from marvel it is obi-wan and anakin numbers one through five This was a five-issue run I was really looking forward to. This takes place about halfway between uh, Episodes 1 and 2. This takes place after the Obi-Wan Age of uh, Republic comic. It takes place after that, but it's like halfway through Anakin's training between 1 and 2. And Anakin, at this point, is having second thoughts about the Jedi Order. He's considering leaving the Jedi Order... He even turns his lightsaber over to Obi-Wan during this whole mission because he just doesn't want anything to do with it anymore. He misses his mother, he wants to go out and free slaves, you know, stuff like that. And Obi-Wan is kind of of the mindset of if this is what he wants to do, this is what he wants to do. Now obviously we know he doesn't. We've seen episode 2, we've seen the rest of the films, we know he doesn't leave the order. That's no spoiler. But to see him come to that conclusion in this comic is kind of cool. To kind of go beat for beat through it. We kind of see Palpatine planting seeds of doubt in Anakin's head that he ends up watering and growing into what it is in Episode Three, and you kind of see that relationship begin to take form. Uh, there's even a part of this comic, a part of this series, I'm sorry, where uh, Palpatine takes Anakin in disguise to the underworld of Coruscant and kind of shows him the way the world actually works and stuff like that. So it's kind of an interesting comic. Uh, but for the main part, Obi-Wan and Anakin are on a mission on a, on this planet that's kind of in a civil war, uh, and, and these two sides are trying to tear each other apart, and it's almost kind of a steampunkish kind of society, I guess you could say, that's kind of the vibe I got, but, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin, awesome series, you guys gotta check this one out, it's actually pretty cool. Uh, that is number 20 on the list. Number 19 on the list is the five-issue run for Han Solo, which came out a couple years ago. This is an issue, or this is a series, uh, where Leia sends Han on a mission to find a rebel sympathizer. But in order to do it, he has to be disguised in a race. It, it, you know, a, a, a spaceship race, a, a star cruiser race, through the galaxy, taking, you know, dodging obstacles, whatnot but all the stops he has to stop at get these rebel sympathizers are along the route of the race. So that's the reason he's in this race trying to do it without anybody seeing him. Right. Interesting story. There's even a part in this uh, story where Han is behind the, the yoke of his ship for like 12 straight hours, dodging stuff. It's, it takes 12 hours to get through this certain part of it where he has to stay on top of things and concentrate for 12 hours to get through it or he's dead. So it's, 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 Really, really interesting to kind of see them build on Han Solo. And to be honest, this comic, I feel like, built more on Han's character than Solo A Star Wars Story did. I'll take that for what you will. But Han Solo numbers 1 through 5, are that's number 19 on my list. Number 18 on my list is the comic adaptation for The Last Jedi. Episode 8, The Last Jedi. It's six issues long. The reason this isn't so high on my list is it does add in those scenes that I was talking about. With the novel ranking, why Last Jedi was so high on my list for those. It adds those deleted scenes in there. It adds that third lesson in there. There's a lot of things in this comic. It really goes inside Luke's head quite a bit. What he was thinking quite a bit. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm sorry. But it, it really touches on things that you can't see in the film you can't hear what Luke's thoughts are in the film. All you can see is what he portrays through facial expressions, through body language. And comics, you can, really, you can read what they're saying in their head. And with this comic and with the novel, they both go hand in hand. They both do it very, very well. So The Last Jedi comic adaptation numbers 1 through 6. Now, if you don't read it, you're not really missing anything if you've seen the deleted scenes of Last Jedi. But if you want to know what was actually going on in Luke's head, Get this comic. It's actually pretty cool. Even if you hated Last Jedi, check out the comic. Number 17 on the list is a one-shot that came out a couple years ago. It was right around the time of Rogue One. And it is Cassian and K2. uh, K2SO. This is the one-shot essentially telling the story of how Cassian and K2 met. You know, you, you hear K2 tell... it. Jyn, her you know, his origins in Rogue One, how he's a reprogrammed Imperial Security Droid, all this stuff. And you keep thinking there's a bit of a story to that. There really isn't. But it's it's uh, it's a decent one shot. Kind of builds on the Cassian story a little bit. They could have done a little more with Cassian and K2 meeting for the first time when it gets to that part of the story. They could have done a little more with that. Which we may see more of in the Cassian series. Hopefully we'll see this comic translated to screen with with the series but it's a neat little comic to read especially if you really liked rogue one if you liked rogue one you're gonna like this comic so Cassian and k2 so that is number 17 on the list number 16 on the list is one i mentioned earlier it's a one shot storms of crate uh this is a one shot that came out with a story arc uh right around the time of the last jedi this was kind of the introduction of the the planet crate that we saw in last jedi uh, at this point, Leia already knows about the planet, which we know that from Leia, Princess of Alderaan. But she's trying to build a rebel base on this planet after the events of Episode 4. And before Episode 5. Uh, they get to the base, and they you know things go awry, is all I'm going to say. There's a reason they didn't stay on Crait. But uh, it's kind of a neat little one-shot. And it really didn't kick off a story arc at all. It was just kind of its one little self-contained story. Uh, it's kind of difficult to place it on the timeline, to be completely honest, but I th- I think I've got it pinpointed about halfway through the Star Wars series so far. I think it's about where I've got it. So, uh, the Storms of crate one-shot, uh, you, I mean, hell, they even pull out the, uh, the same ski speeders that you saw in episode eight. They, they pull those out too, and when they realize they can't use the planet, you know, they put everything back and they leave, so, uh... That's number 16 on the list. Number 15 on the list is an interesting comic because this hasn't happened since. And I'm kind of hoping that it happens more. This is the comic adaptation of the novel Thrawn, numbers 1 through 6. I remember somebody asked me one time if I considered them writing this story as a comic as a money grab for Lucasfilm. Telling the same story twice in a different format and selling it to the same people again. And I said no. I can see how it would come off as a money grab. But not everybody has the time to sit down and read a novel. Not everybody has that kind of time. I have to make time to sit down and read these books. And for people who don't want to sit down and do the entire novel, why not do little six issue runs for the novels? You know what I mean? Just a quick little six-issue comic. Get through it, get the gist of the story, and move on. I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, this was actually a pretty good. This is a pretty faithful comic adaptation of the novel. Uh, there were, and it, it's it kind of adds a new layer to the novel, knowing that you can visualize visualize things better of what was actually going on in the novel. Now, the comic uh, the comic run hits all the stories, beat for beat, uh, whatnot. So, the Thrawn comic is not its own story. It's just an adaptation of the novel, of the first Thrawn novel, not, not, uh, alliances or treason or whatever the fourth one's going to be. It's the first Thrawn novel. So, uh, I'm hoping they end up doing this more with other novels. I would love to see one for Lost Stars. I know they did like a manga for Lost Stars, but I'm not really into manga a whole lot. Uh, I would give it a shot if I could find it, get my hands on it, but I just, I know they did it for Lost Stars in that form, but I would like to see an actual Marvel adaptation of it. You know what I mean? So uh, Thrawn numbers 1 through 6, that's number 15 on my list. Number 14 on my list is a comic run that kind of ended uh, abruptly. I wasn't expecting it. it It's the Poe Dameron comic, and it ran issues number 1 through 31, which is kind of a weird number to stop on, which it did have a couple of annuals mixed in with it as well. But the Poe Dameron comic started off kind of rocky for me the first few issues. It's kind of a weird story. Uh, But then it ended up becoming something that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, It even got to a point where Poe ended up telling his point of view of The Force Awakens. And then it got into post-Last Jedi where we see Rey, Finn, Poe on the Falcon after Last Jedi, and Rey's got the two broken saber-hilt pieces. It even gets to that point. And I feel like... They ended this comic because it was getting to that point, And they didn't want a whole lot of material told. In between episodes 8 and 9. If, if you know what I mean. Uh, but the Poe Dammer comic. Is, it was a blast to read. There was a lot of character development between Leia and Poe. You kind of see where their relationship kind of built. Where it was strongest. Where it was weakest. Kind of the way she thought about. Poe, the way Poe thought about Leia, stuff like that. Uh, and there was a lot of lessons that Leia taught Poe in this comic run. So, And there, hell, there's even references to Padme in there. There's there's, there's uh, one story arc where Leia ends up in on the mission, too, with Black Squadron. And they're doing this diversion on... I, I want to say it was Cato Neimoidia. I could be wrong, though. I think it was Cato Neimoidia. And she's trying to find somewhere to store her mother's wardrobe. Her former Queen of Naboo mother padme right she still has her entire wardrobe kind of interesting to know that but uh the poe dameron run was actually a lot of fun Lorson teka obviously makes an appearance in it when poe meets him on jakku that was not the first time they met so interesting little tidbit uh this comic saw the return of mr bones from the aftermath trilogy and, and when i say mr bones i mean the mr bones uh snap wexley's droid this is the return of him uh, there's just a lot of neat little nuggets in this comic that were a lot of fun to read, especially to get to know Black Squadron quite a bit more and to see Snap Wexley as a character more often. It was it was pretty cool to see. Uh, number 13 on my list is the only comic run that was grandfathered into the new canon from Legends, as is on day one. This is the only comic that did it. It is Son of Dathomir, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir numbers one through four. This is a comic that was published by Dark Horse originally. Now you can get it under the Marvel banner, and I am i believe I heard somewhere that they're going to re-release those comic issues, each individual issue, under the Marvel Marvel banner, which is awesome because those are the only four comics I'm missing in my entire collection over there. That's the only four comics I'm missing, and now I can finally get them to put them in there. Son of Dathomir was written from uh, unaired Clone Wars episodes, follows Darth Maul and the Siege of Mandalore, which... I'm pretty sure we're going to see this comic uh, adapted to Clone Wars. I'm pretty sure we're going to see these events happen in Clone Wars Season seven, six, seven, whatever you want to call it. The last season of Clone Wars. But it's the Siege of Mandalore. You see Darth Maul kind of rise up and he's in charge of Death Watch. He's the leader of Death Watch, the Mandalorian group. Excellent comic. Excellent comic. Uh, Definitely got to check this one out, especially if you're a big Darth Maul fan. Great comic absolutely awesome so uh look keep an eye out for these four issues i i i've looked for the four issues by dark horse and i found them and they're expensive as hell i might as well just sign over my son uh but now that they're re-releasing them the, you, keep an eye out for them because i don't know exactly when they're being re-released but you can get in a tpb right now of just the and i think the tpb is under the marvel banner right now also so you can sit down and read the whole story it's a great story Uh, Number 12 on my list is a comic that was lower on my list at first until I thought about it a little more and I decided to bump it up. Uh, Number 12 on my list is Captain Phasma numbers 1 through 4. At first, I didn't care for this comic a whole lot. Like I said, it's only four issues. It picks up during the final events of Force Awakens when she's in the trash compactor. It tells the story of how she got off Starkiller Base where she ended up, and how she got back to the First Order in between Episodes 7 and 8. The reason I moved this up on my list a little more was the more I thought about it, the more I realized that the character development of Phasma in this comic was... There was more character development to her in this comic than there was in her novel. And her novel was her origin story, as far as I'm concerned. You guys might feel differently. But as far as I'm concerned, this thing had more character development than her novel did. It shows her being out for herself, not worried about anybody else, you know, and it's, 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 okay, look, essentially the story is this. She gets off Starkiller Base and she finds out that one of the Imperials, or one of the Imperials, one of the First Order officers, found out she's the one that lowered the shields on Starkiller Base. And he escaped, and her this story is her hunting him down, essentially pretty cool story, not going to lie. This one was one that I think I even bought the one issue twice by accident. I didn't realize I did. Uh but it was it was a very interesting comic. If you like Captain Phasma and you think she was really underused, check out this comic. You won't be disappointed. You never see her face. You get close, but you never see her face. Uh but it's it's pretty cool comic to be honest. Uh and it's is kind of a callback also to episode 8 with, you know, Finn I believe it was a deleted scene in episode 8 of him saying you know you were the one that lowered the the uh, shields on Starkiller base and when she you know the, the stormtroopers stand around like oh really and she shoots them first no witnesses right she's a no witness kind of woman so uh, definitely check out Captain Phasma it's actually pretty high on my list number 11 on my list is a 5 issue run that came out last year it is Darth Maul numbers 1 through 5 this is the first comic now We did have a couple of the Star Wars comics kind of flashback to pre-Phantom Menace. That did happen. But this is the first five-issue standalone run that is pre-Phantom Menace. This is Darth Maul trying to come to terms with the Sith having to stay hidden, hidden for right now. Palpatine keeps telling him, you know, we gotta hide. Maul has got so much rage and anger built up in him at this point at the Jedi that he has to go hunt a Jedi Padawan, and he does hunt down a Jedi Padawan, trying to, and he's trying to do it without his master knowing about it. So it's actually a really cool uh, comic run. This comic run saw the return of Cad Bane as a character, which you guys know I love Cad Bane. To see him pop up in this pre Clone Wars, pretty cool. Uh, so, but like I said, Darth Maul in numbers one through five. This is not the Son of Dathomir run. Make sure, if you're, if you're looking for Darth Maul number 1 through 5, make sure you don't accidentally get da- uh, Son of Dathomir and, and mistake in the two, because this is a completely separate story. There's even callbacks in this comic to uh, Malakor, like what we saw in Rebels. We, uh, Hell, we even saw a callback again, which another series we'll talk about here in a little bit, and Darth Maul's standalone Age of uh, Republic comic. It also went back to Mandalore. Or, not Mandalore. Malachor, sorry. But this is a pretty cool comic. This is a great character study on Darth Maul. Uh, hell, it starts off with him hunting Rath Like, that's just insanely awesome, right? So, Darth Maul issues number 1 through 5. Number 10 on my list is a 4-issue run that came out back in 2015. It's called Shattered Empire. This comic picks up during the final moments of Return of the Jedi. It talks about Operation Cinder, which we see a lot of in Battlefront 2. Uh, we see the Sentinel Droids for the first time. You know, things like that. So, to see what Operation Cinder is in the event of the Emperor dying, the instructions he leaves behind, it's pretty brutal. And it's it's pretty brutal, but it's but it's a lot of fun to read. Uh, this is a comic that follows the mother of Poe Dameron. She's kind of the main character in it. Uh... One of the issues she goes on a mission with Luke Skywalker. They've get these two force sensitive trees that the Imperials have stolen from the Jedi Academy or the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. And Luke runs off with one of them and he gives one to her and you know she retires from the rebellion whatever goes to Yavin to raise Poe with her husband with this force tree and you never hear anything else about it ever. So I'm to this day nobody knows what happens to that force tree that Luke took. It wasn't the force tree on Hawk 2. nothing like that, but it was it it's a really fun story to read. You know, so definitely check out Shattered Empire. It's it's kind of your first comic look at post return of the Jedi. This came out around the same time as Aftermath, and the two kind of go hand in hand. So definitely go check out Shattered Empire. Number 9 on my list is one that is kind of low on other people's lists, but it's high on mine. I appreciate this comic for what it is, minus the last story arc that they finished. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Afra. Dr. Afra is a character that was introduced in the first Darth Vader run. She's kind of this archaeologist, kind of a, uh, a female Indiana Jones in the Star Wars universe, but she's more out for herself than she is anything else. Very selfish woman. Uh, and I've talked to people who really hate her, as a character like so much but i absolutely love this character. Uh she even had a story pop up in from a certain point of view there was a story about Afra. It was her novel debut, right? Uh Dr. Afra Shelley, Dr. Shelley Afra. She is like i said she's an archaeologist, she's kind of after these ancient artifacts of different force, or I guess her father was after these, this other force order. I don't remember what it was called, uh, but it was kind of like the ancient Jedi, if you would. They've introduced some things into this comic that were like, okay, that's different. Kind of like ancient Jedi having their consciousness transferred to a crystal and then possessing other people like a ghost. Kind of weird. But I feel like this comic was originally meant as a conduit to kind of introduce Old Republic stuff. Some things that we might see pop up in maybe a Benioff and Weiss film. Maybe. But as the stories have gone on, I've enjoyed all of them except for the last one. And the last story arc they finished was, I don't remember what it was called, but there's she has these two droids with her, which were also introduced in the Vader comic. Uh, BT and Triple Zero They're kind of the murderous versions of R2 and 3PO And in this Last story arc Dr. Evison, Ev- Evison I can never say his name right From A New Hope And Panda, ba- uh, Panda Baba Who got his arm cut off It didn't kill him, apparently they ran off They link these two together To where if one, if they get too far apart They die And these two hate each other The the Triple Zero and Dr. Aphra they hate each other but they get so far apart, they they die, and that whole story arc, this last story arc, was not great. But everything else so far, I've really enjoyed. I'm really glad this this last story arc finished, and then the new one actually seems pretty cool. I think the last issue I read, she found an ancient sniper rifle that was built on lightsaber technology, so kind of interesting to to see where this is going to go. This, like I said, this I'm only one issue into this new arc, so I'm kind of interested to see where it goes. But Doctor Afra. Is really high on my list. This is this is a character I really really enjoy. So, definitely check out Doctor Aphra. Number eight on my list uh, is Kane and The Last Padawan, issues one through twelve. This was supposed to be an ongoing series. They ended it at issue twelve. This is one of the first issue, one of the first runs they actually released. This is the uh, comic that tells the story of what happened with Caleb Doom, how his master. Uh, Depa Balaba was killed in Order 66. Kind of how he went from location to location, trying to hide his Force abilities, how he became a smuggler, leading up to the novel A New Dawn, and then later on into Rebels. And where he got the name Kanan, Jarrus, and whatnot. Really, really cool comic. Uh, The last half of the run is essentially Rebels episodes, but they're like flashbacks, uh, Kanan is injured, he's in a back-to-tank, and he's having kind of flashbacks back to a certain time period where most of these comics are taking place. Great run. This is, an, this is a great, great run. This is one of my favorites. I absolutely love this 12-issue run. This is a lot of fun. Uh, but if you want to know more about Kanan Jarrus, definitely check out Kanan The Last Padawan. I think you can get both TPBs. Uh, well, Their first blood, and I don't remember what the other one was actually called, but there's, there's two TPBs that tells the whole story. Pick them up. You're not going to be disappointed. Uh, number seven on my list is the self-titled, the main titled Star Wars comic that's ongoing right now. I think we're on issue 65, 66, something like that. It's kind of weird to think that this comic's been going for 66, 65 issues. Um, but so far, it's 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 had its ups and downs. Uh, there's been a couple of arcs where it was like, oh, God, is this over yet? Kind of like... Uh, uh, Showdown, Smuggler's Moon, it was alright. Uh, Flight of the Last Harbinger was okay. These story arcs. Some of them have been kind of weird. Uh, the Screaming Citadel story was kind of weird uh, in those parts. But for the most part, this has been a pretty cool comic. The first, I think the first, maybe, eight issues, the comic was trying to find its stride. And I think it finally did. You get through the first eight issues, you won't be disappointed afterwards. Uh, the story we're on right now, uh, brings back a character from the first Vader run. Uh, the Queen of Shore, Toronto, however you say it. I don't even know how to say it, to be honest. Uh, but she's, Leia has a personal vendetta that she's out to satisfy. So, the Star Wars comic's pretty cool. And what's cool about the Star Wars comic is, eventually we're going to get to a point where it runs into Empire Strikes Back. And once it does, once we've, eventually we're going to get to a point where it's finished, in the time period of the films where's it go then with it being called star wars it could be anything so that's what's that's what's really cool about this comic this comic has even gone back in time a couple of times there was a six issue run that kind of went back to like i said earlier pre phantom menace with the story with yoda it's gone back i think three other times telling young obi-wan stories on Tatooine, watching out for luke Things like that, absolutely great. I love stuff like that in this comic. But this this comic, this comic is kind of, it's really building character development with Luke. I think more so than what Heir of the Jedi, or even Weapon of a Jedi did. So, kind of a cool run. Uh, and this run also sees that Luke and Boba Fett faced off once before, not just on Cloud City. There was a time those two went head-to-head again. You guys got to check that out. And for the first, I think like six or seven issues, it crosses over with the first Vader run back and forth. So, and we'll talk about Vader here in a little bit. But the Star Wars uh, ongoing series right now is actually pretty cool. Uh, Check it out. Number six on my list is a series. Uh, It's a one-shot series. It's the Age of Republic. Right now we're in the middle of uh, Age of Rebellion. And then afterwards we're going to have Age of Resistance leading up to Episode Nine. These series are a bunch of one shots based around uh, a singular character. Uh, Age of Republic saw like an Anakin issue, Obi Wan, Jango, uh, Fett. Uh, there was a Count Dooku issue. There was a Qui Gon issue. There, there, was a, there, was a, there was a Padme issue. There's several issues. There's several different stories with different characters. Uh, and and the Age of Republic is so far I I, I didn't like it as much as I have Age of Rebellion. It's a little lower on the list. But Age of Republic, some of these comics have been really, really good. Uh, the Jango Fett run was awesome. The Jango Fett run, guys, you've, I, I want a Jango and Boba Fett comic series based off of just this one alone. Uh, General Grievous had a, a comic which was pretty cool. Dooku had one that was pretty cool. Uh, Obi-Wan's was kind of interesting. It was right after him and Anakin become Master and Apprentice. And it's Obi-Wan kind of trying to relate to Anakin for the first time. Stuff like that. But some of these comics are really, really cool. So you're going to have to check out these comics in this Age of Republic. Uh, We'll talk about Age of of Rebellion here in a few minutes. But Age of Republic, man. Definitely check out Age of Republic. This is, like I said, they're really, really cool comics. That's number six on my list. Number five on my list is the original run, five issues of Lando. This was the... Second five issue run, I believe that they be that, that Marvel decided to release after Leia. I think Lando was the second one. This was a very underrated comic. This was a surprising comic. Uh, back in 2015, when this comic was released, I was kind of like, "Oh, well, we'll see how this Lando run goes." Never in a million years did I expect a Lando comic run to introduce Sith lore. I know. I, too, was shocked. Uh, this is a five-issue run. This is so high on my list. And it's weird considering how low the other Lando run is on my list. This comic takes place uh, somewhere between episodes four and five. Lando's not in charge of Cloud City yet. He's got Lobot with him. Uh, and they get hired for this mission to go steal a space yacht, This this yacht, this cruiser. But they don't know. Nobody tells them that it's the Emperor's personal yacht and once they get on board they find all the this whole room full of sith artifacts and relics and lightsabers and holocrons and it's so cool and it ends up you know two of the people that are with them on this crew end up being corrupted by the dark side and trying to use these lightsabers against lando and lobot it's insanely great comic and you find out why lobot doesn't say anything in this comic you find out what happens as to why he never speaks in empire strikes back great comic guys you gotta check out Lando's number uh, Lando numbers one through five uh, this was a comic that a lot of people I've talked to a lot of people who keep up on comics I'm like I never read Lando I never really got into it I'm like holy crap you never even gave it a shot I'm like no I'm like you gotta give this comic a shot Lando is so high on my list it's insane so uh, Lando numbers one through five absolutely great you guys won't be disappointed reading that comic you're gonna laugh your, your jaws gonna drop you're gonna you're gonna cry I mean it's insanely great comic. Uh, Number four on my list is another series. It's Age of Rebellion. We've had comics so far for, like, Leia, Han. Grand Moff Tarkin's comic was awesome. Uh, Boba Fett, Jabba the Hutt, Lando got another comic, which actually I just read today. But I want to talk about this Grand Moff Tarkin comic for a minute because, like I said, with Age of Republic, the one comic that really stood out to me was Django Fett. This one so far, the one that's really stood out to me was Grand Moff Tarkin. This comic takes place during A New Hope. Uh, And it kind of shows what Tarkin was doing behind the scenes while Leia was in her cell, while they were trying to get Leia off the Death Star, what was going on behind the scenes, and kind of while the Death Star was approaching Yavin. And it shows just how cold and brutal Grand Moff Tarkin actually is. It's insane. He kills hundreds of people just because of one little tiny thing. And when you see... What it is, holy crap. I don't want to ruin it for you. I, I don't want to ruin it for you. But holy crap, it's an insanely great comic. The Age of Rebellion series so far I've liked uh, quite a bit more than I did the Age of Republic. Mainly because I grew up during the Galactic Civil War movies rather than the Clone Wars movies. So it, it kind of holds a more, more of a place in my heart. The Jabba comic was really good. The Boba Fett comic was alright. Which is weird because you would think the Boba Fett one would be great. Leia was okay, Lando was alright, Han was okay, uh, and I haven't read the Luke one yet. I I still need to read Luke, I think they're still doing a Vader, I think there's going to be a Vader one also. So, there those are the ones I'm really looking forward to, but Age of Rebellion is number 4 on my list. Guys, we're almost there, we got 3 left, and I know there's certain titles you guys haven't heard yet. And it's weird, because the last... Well, I should say that the top three books on my novel list were all Claudia Gray novels. It's funny because my top three comics on this are Vader comics. So now all we need is Claudia Gray writing Darth Vader. But number three on my list uh, real quick before I get into this, though, before I get into these top three, I'm going to slip in the one I forgot about earlier the standalone, which was kind of the kickoff of a crossover event between Star Wars and Darth Vader, and it was Vader Down. I didn't have that one on this list. I actually forgot to put it on this ranking. Uh, I'm going to slip it in between Age of Rebellion and my number three. So uh, Vader Down was a crossover event between Star Wars and Darth Vader, which essentially saw the Rebellion trying to assassinate Vader. He's crash-landed on this planet. This comic has one of my favorite Vader lines ever written, ever in it at one point he's surrounded by these rebel soldiers and i'm sure you guys have already heard about this line before but the rebels yell at him surrender vader you're surrounded there's no escape and vader activates his lightsaber and says i'm not surrounded by anything but fear and dead men and just goes to town like it is my absolute favorite vader line ever bar none holy shit so vader down and like i said it was a crossover so you had the vader down one shot and then i think the next one was a star wars comic then a vader then a star wars and a vader then a star wars And they kind of went in that order. So definitely check that one out. If you've got the Star Wars and and Vader runs, but you don't have this comic, you've got the story except for the kickoff. Go find that kickoff comic. Believe me. You won't be disappointed. Okay, so on to my number three now. Uh, Number three on my list is Darth Vader numbers 1 through 25. This is the original Darth Vader run. This is the first Darth Vader run that takes place after A New Hope and kind of ran concurrently with the Star Wars comic for a while. Uh, In this comic, we saw, you know, Vader dealing with the fact that the Rebels, you know, he finds out that the name of the Rebel pilot who blew up the Death Star was Skywalker. We see him dealing with the Emperor, toying with the idea of replacing him with cybernetic beings. You know, we even see a cybernetic Mon Cala with four lightsabers. Like, what the? Really? It's like a Mon Cala General Grievous, but it's insane to watch. We watch Vader prove himself against these other possible apprentices. We watch him deal with, you know... Dr. Afra like she's a big part of all of this. He's kind of hiring her on the on the back burner to kind of do these illegal things in the empire without his master knowing about it. Great run. This is an this is an insanely great run. I love this run so much. This one was actually the when they first announced the Star Wars comics when they first released them. They released Star Wars and Darth Vader as two ongoing series. That's what those that was those were the two titles. And they ended up stopping Darth Vader at issue number 25, uh, which is funny because uh, I'm still trying to figure out how there ha- we haven't had a Vader run get past number 25 yet. But Afra is as far as she is. I-, I can't figure it out. But anyway, Darth Vader numbers 1 through 25. Great comic run. Definitely go check that one out. You won't be disappointed. Number two on my list. Moving up, uh, as you know, there's uh, well, there's only two titles left. They're both Darth Vader comics, but number two is one that you guys may not know about. Uh, right now, it's I think it's a I think it's gonna be a five issue run. We're four issues into it. It's Darth Vader Dark Visions. I think it's actually I think it's called Vader Dark Visions. Uh, I just read issue number four. These are kind of little like one shots, I guess you could say. Each each issue is its own story. Uh, the first one, the first comic, kind of. You know, we all know Darth Vader as this big badass villain, whatnot. But what if he landed on a planet and killed something out of being a being an asshole, but the civilization that was there saw it as a heroic move, and they saw Darth Vader as a hero? That's what one of these issues is about. Uh, one of these issues sees uh, a female Imperial doctor who is infatuated and is in love with Darth Vader and she's collecting pieces of him and stuff like that. She's got a finger of his in a box somewhere that she's in love with him. You see how that story goes. Uh, One of them actually laughed my ass off reading is an Imperial officer who tries to catch a rebel pilot. The rebel pilot gets away and he tells Coruscant that his mission was completed and Vader assumes that he captured the rebel pilot. And when he finds out Vader's on his way, he's like, we got to go find this guy. And he goes through everything. He goes through hell trying to get this rebel pilot back. As far, I mean, to the point of cramming his Star Destroyer down the throat of one of the space whales. Trying to get to this this U-Wing that the pilot's on. Just because he's losing his mind knowing that if he doesn't get this guy, he's screwed. He's dead. Absolutely great comic to read. Uh, the newest comic, the newest issue was actually really, really good. Didn't have a whole lot of Vader in it. But where it did have Vader, it was awesome. So... Uh, I think there's one more issue of this coming. I'm having a blast reading these this Vader Dark Visions run so far. I think this is the run that was supposed to replace whatever Chuck Wendig was working on when he got fired. This is a run you guys got to check out. And like I said, there are four issues in, so you should have no problem going back and finding these issues. And for those of you keeping tally, you already know what my number one is on the list. Number one on my list... Is Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, numbers one through twenty-five. This is the second Vader run they did, but it took place immediately after Revenge of the Sith. I refer to this comic as Darth Vader Year One, when he's learning to become Darth Vader, when he's still hunting down Jedi. You see how he builds his lightsaber. You see where? Well, you don't see how he builds his lightsaber. You see where he gets his red crystal, his red crystal lightsaber from. Uh, you see him hunting down some pretty big name Jedi too. Oh, excuse me, I was starting to get a little hoarse. I've been talking for like an hour and a half. Um, but no, you see him hunt down, you know, Jacastanu. Nu. That, that whole arc, holy crap, was cool. Uh, but you see him hunt down all these other Jedi. And uh, I, I, you see the Inquisitors pop back up. Like, this is an insane. This is my absolute... This comic is the gold standard when it comes to Star Wars comics. That That's just plainly put. This is the gold standard freaking standard this is what all Star Wars comics should be uh, now we are getting to a point we know there's another uh, Vader comic coming I think it's like Target Vader that's coming out soon We know there's another tales of Vader's castle coming they're starting to I'm starting to get a little bit of Vader fatigue but this is one you won't get fatigued with this is this is a, this is a Darth Vader comic that is worthy of of Darth Vader it really is. So and you see a lot of the relationship between him and the Emperor and and whatnot. I mean, this comic kicks off with him on the table screaming no about Padme dying and using the force to blast the Emperor into the wall. Holy shit. It's that good. So definitely check out this comic. You won't be disappointed. He gets he gets messed up too. Trying to learn how to deal with the new suit and the cybernetic arms and legs. He you know, it takes a little bit of a he stumbles a little bit at first in the run. So definitely Definitely check this one out. That is my absolute number one comic, bar none. I'm telling you, I know everything is subjective. Different people like different things. You won't be disappointed with this comic. This is one I will tell you, balls to bone, go get it. So uh, that does it for my ranking list, guys. Uh, I, that didn't actually take as long as I thought it would. But uh, that's that's the comic rankings at this point. Number 36 through number one. So uh, I would love to hear what you guys' rankings are. Let me know in the comments below. Let me know if you guys agree with me. Let me know if you disagree. Tell me why you disagree with me if you do. Uh, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Like I said, everything is subjective. So, I mean, I may have hated the, the C-3PO comic and the Chewbacca run. If you guys loved them, tell me why you loved them. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. So uh, there you go. Those are my comic rankings. And before we finish this episode, I figured uh, we would do a couple mailback questions. I had several I had several, actually. I, this is, because I haven't done an episode in two weeks, I haven't really looked at the mailback questions at all. But I had more mailbag questions in the email this week than ever before. And these are the two I went through and picked out real quick. I figured I'd just do a couple since it was, you know, it was going to take an hour and a half to get through the comics. So let's let's get uh, to some of these mailback questions. Uh, before I do, though, how do you get a question on the, on the Star Wars Canon podcast? You email it to me at StarWarsCanonLibrary at gmail.com. Like I said, I'll go through and pick a few out, and, and we'll go through them a little bit. Uh, So here we go. Question number one this week comes from Noah Potter. And Noah says, Brian, my friend, love your podcast and channel. Keep up the great work. Thank you, brother. I do appreciate it very much. Uh, How big of a part do you think Saw Gerrera will play in Jedi Fallen Order? We've seen Saw in Clone Wars Rebels and Rogue One. So how do you think he'll be different in this game? Love to hear your thoughts. Uh, Thanks for the question, Noah. Uh, Yeah, I just did the reaction video of the Jedi Fallen Order gameplay reveal. And I was kind of surprised to see Saw pop up in it. Now, this is the Saw you know. He doesn't have his hair yet, so this could be anywhere after Episode Three. I'm, ass- you know, it could be anywhere in there. He looked a hell of a lot like he did in uh, at the beginning of Rogue One, you know, right after the fall, the Jedi purge, and everything like that. He didn't have his breath mask yet. He didn't look. He he didn't have his cane yet. He was still grapple gunning around. Of course, he was like that in Rebels as well. But I he didn't have Jen with him, you know, so and maybe he did. And she's just later somewhere else in the game. I don't know. But it was kind of cool seeing Saul Gerrera pop up. Now, this Saul Gerrera did feel an awful lot. He looked like the Saul Gerrera we know from the films, but he felt like the Saul Gerrera we knew from Clone Wars. And one of the things with Saul Gerrera that I've always said that I really didn't like very much was how every version of him we get, he's different in a way where you don't see any fade from one into the other. He's just different versions of the character. Hell, I think he, he even like in three different mediums, he has three different eye colors. So uh, it, it's it's Saw is one of those most inconsistent characters I've ever seen in in everything I've seen him in so far. However, I am excited to see him in this game, especially the way he was talking to I can't remember the Jedi's name in the in the game yet. I, I still don't have it memorized. Uh, but the way he's the even the way he's talking to him about you go in there with your lightsaber. And you take everybody out, you know, and, and it's you can tell he's got that extremist part kind of back there motivating everything he's doing. You know what I mean? And and, and the fact that he has a Jedi there at his disposal, he's probably eating that up. But I love the fact that they're putting Saw Gerard into this. It really does help show that the game is canon. It helps expand on characters we already know and love while giving us an entire new outlook at new stuff that we've never seen before. Uh, and and now, honestly, now that EA has, uh, a Saul Guerrero model for Jedi Fallen Order, I wouldn't be surprised if Saul Guerrero pops up as a playable character in Battlefront 2 somewhere down the road, but, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I think he's gonna play, I don't know if he's gonna play a huge part in the game, maybe a mission or two as a pop-up thing, kind of like Luke in Battlefront 2, how he just kind of popped in for a mission and then he was gone, that might be what it is. I could be wrong. He could be in the whole game for all I know. But uh, I don't think he's going to play a a huge, huge part in the game. But it was kind of cool to know that Forrest Whitaker has come back to voice him. That was definitely Forrest Whitaker voicing him. Um, But the way I think he's going to be different in the game, I think think this is finally going to be the first time we see kind of a blend of different versions of him across spectrums. Because you're right, we've seen him in Clone Wars... We were introduced to him in Clone Wars. Saw him in Rebels and Rogue One. He made an appearance... uh, Well, he was a main character in the Rebel Rising comic with uh, Jyn Erso. He was a main character in that. We saw him pop up at the end of the solo uh, novel. I almost said comic. At the end of the solo novel in the the epilogue. And that's about it. That's pretty much all we've seen of Saul Guerrero. You know, so to see him in this now, it's going to be interesting to see how he like I said, how it fades from one version of him to the other. So, uh, I, I'm excited for it. I obviously you're excited to see Saw Gerrera again. Uh, I, I want to see, I want to see how this is going to go. So, uh, thanks for the question, Noah. And the second question this week comes from Travis, uh, Bush and Travis says, Hey Brian, congrats on the future youngling. My wife and I both follow your content and are very happy for you and Kirsty. Thank you very much guys. I do. We, we do appreciate that. And which by the way, we did find out that, uh, we got a little boy on the way. So, Uh, yeah, we're, we're very, very excited. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Uh, my question is about Palpatine in episode nine. How could he possibly still be alive? Is there anything in Canon that could be applied, uh, applied to this? And are there any instances of something like this happening before? Look forward to hearing your thoughts on this matter. May the force be with you. Uh, thanks for the question, Travis. And yes, there is, this is not the first time in Star Wars and Canon that somebody has popped up. Later on down the road. When we thought they were dead. Uh, the first instance is Darth Maul. Uh, episode 1. Darth Maul gets cut in half. I mean literally cut in half. And thrown down a hole. And he survived. And what kept him alive was his anger at Obi-Wan. And his power in the dark side. That's what kept him alive. You know. And, and you know we, we know he ends up getting the dope and deadly legs. And, and everything like that. But. That's what sustained him. Was the dark side of the force. And if Maul. Who was an apprentice at the time by the way. If Maul could do that for 10 years. What could Palpatine do? Uh, we never actually saw Palpatine die. Think about it. He just got thrown down a hole and there was an explosion. It doesn't mean he actually died. Uh, I tend to think they're going to go with like a clone version of him myself. But. Let's just say, for instance, maybe he did survive it. We know the Death Star debris. I'm assuming that's Endor. We know that Death Star debris is there. And what's to say he's not there? You know, how far down did he actually fall before he exploded? Compared to the Death Star, not very far down. You know, so he could very well be in that debris somewhere. And, and you know, mangled even more than he already was. And, and maybe you know, disfigured even more than he was, and what's keeping him alive is his anger at Anakin, at at Vader, or at the Skywalkers, you know? Could be. Just his anger at the name of of Skywalker in general. It's not unheard of in, in Star Wars canon when you think somebody's dead and the Force sustained them, you know? I mean, Maul was sustained for, what, 10 years? So not even 10 years. Well, it was just over ten years, wasn't it? It was like two, it was like eleven, eleven years, something like that. Who's to say Palpatine couldn't sustain himself for thirty years or thirty, however many years it's going to be until you know episode nine, between Return of the Jedi and nine, it's entirely possible. So, uh, as as far as uh, as far as how they do that, I'm not entirely sure. They all I know, all they've ever said in canon is that it was the dark side and their anger this sustained them. It doesn't say anything about, you know, what he ate or, I mean, Maul was living on trash, but as far as, you know, Palpatine, I, there's no telling. Like I said, though, I'm leaning more towards, it's kind of a dark clone and maybe that's Matt Smith's character. We have yet to know anything about Matt Smith being in this movie. So, uh, that's kind of my thoughts on it. But like I said, it's not unheard of at all, uh, in Star Wars canon. So, uh, thanks for the question, Travis. I do appreciate it. Hey guys, uh, Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I sure appreciate it. Uh, If you're new to the Star Wars Canon Podcast and you like what you hear, uh, be sure to give me a follow on whatever app or site you're listening in on. Uh, Check out the YouTube channel if you're listening on a different app uh, for upcoming reviews, interviews, reaction videos, uh, and a video version of this podcast so you can look at my ugly mug for two hours. So just in case you guys want to, I don't know why you'd want to. Uh, As well as the Facebook page to stay up uh, to date uh, on what's going on with the Star Wars Canon Podcast podcast. I've got a big announcement I want to make, and the last couple episodes I did, I told you I had a big announcement coming in the next couple weeks, and this is going to be it. This is kind of a two part of a uh, two part announcement. Uh, the first part of the announcement is that this is the last episode of season one of the Star Wars Canon Podcast. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I work at a grain elevator in Kansas, so my harvest season is coming up, and I'm not going to have any time at all to spit out a podcast. Uh, it's 15 hour days every day without a day off until harvest is complete. And, and the longest one I ever did was like 30 some odd days. So I'm I'm gonna have to take a break for the uh, for the summer for the Star Wars Canon podcast. Uh, but I will be back uh, at the end of August for uh, with with another episode of the Star Wars Canon podcast. Uh, and it's going to be season two. Now the other part of this announcement, the big part of this announcement that I'm really really excited about telling you guys about, uh. Is I've been working on a project for a while. I didn't want to put it out too early. Uh, I didn't want somebody nabbing my idea. Uh, But I have been hard at work on producing a Star Wars Canon podcast app for your phone. Uh, This app, I've got it about halfway finished right now. This app's going to have a timeline of every piece of Canon material on it. Cover art of all the comics and novels. It's going to have a link to a direct link to this podcast. It'll have a direct link to the YouTube channel. It'll have all these so it'll have all the social media links on it for the Star Wars Canon podcast. Uh, and I'm considering let me know if you guys would like this. I'm considering a page on it where you can purchase Canon or you know wherever you can find it. So uh, that's the big announcement I've had coming. I've been hard at work on it designing it and, and getting it put together. Uh, and that is coming concurrently with the release of season two of the star Wars Canon podcast, uh, at the end of August, beginning of September. Now, because the podcast isn't airing every week does not mean I'm not going to be putting content on the YouTube channel. I've actually, I'm going to be taking my spare time and getting caught up on rebels and clone wars, uh, for the Patreon account. So make sure to head over to the Patreon account. If you guys want to watch some star Wars and clone wars with me, that's where most of that content is going to be, uh, for the rest of the summer. So, uh, please be patient just because the star Wars Canon podcast is not being aired for the next couple months does not mean that it's over. We'll, I'll be coming back full force, uh, once my harvest season is over. So, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there for you guys. Uh, like I said, I'd already let the patrons know about the app and I think I if I'm not mistaken, I gave them a link to see what, uh, what was done on the app so far. You know, to actually kind of mess around with it and kind of a beta test, kind of more of an alpha test, to be honest. So if you guys want to check it out, head over to our Patreon account, uh, show a little bit of support there, and you guys will have access uh, to that. Uh, and to kind of see what you're uh, kind, of, kind of have to look forward to as far as the Star Wars app goes. So uh, that's going to be the main hub for our, all things Star Wars. Can I mean, I, I, I looked everywhere. I even had people with iPhones looking. There's no app anywhere for anything like that. So I'm very excited to be putting this out uh, for you guys, and uh, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun, so uh, definitely check that out. If you'd like to get a question on the Star Wars Canon podcast, you can send it to StarWarsCanonLibrary at gmail.com. Or if you have the Anchor app, you can record a voice message and send it to me, and you might even hear your voice on this podcast. You never know. Uh, All those links can be found in the description of this episode. Uh, And like I said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And as always, this is Brian signing off, and may the Force be with you.